listening to Closer Look. Recently, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship released a survey of Christian students from more than 100 campuses across the U.S. They answered questions about how they've been impacted by the pandemic, how they stay strong in their faith on a secular college campus, and which social issues are most important to them. I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look. My guest today is Greg Howe, Chief Communications Officer at InterVarsity. It's good to have you, Greg. Thanks for having me on, Monica. Give us kind of an overview. Sure. InterVarsity is a ministry that works on about 800 campuses across the United States. Um, We work with just about 36,000 college students as well as faculty, and our goal is to introduce them to Jesus, help them grow as disciples, and then become people who advance God's kingdom in every field of endeavor that God calls them to. The landscape of a typical university, that's the place and the time when so many children, young people, leave their faith. Absolutely. LifeWay Research, which is an arm of the Southern Baptist Convention, did a study about a year ago, and they found out that almost 60% of all the kids in our church youth groups will walk away from church at some point when they're in college. And I hope for the average church member that breaks their heart that two out of every three students at some point, we'll say, you know, I'm not really sure what I believe. I'm taking a break. And one of InterVarsity's um, passions is reaching students who are wondering whether their faith is viable and plausible, introducing them to Jesus as adults who need to think hard about what they believe and need to read scripture for themselves, and then invite them to continue to do what Jesus said to the earliest disciples, come and see who I am, follow me, and let me reveal myself to you. Um, We also, of course, love watching non-Christian students come to faith. And in the last year, even in the midst of COVID, we watched over 900 students make first-time decisions to follow Jesus. And many years ago, John Stott, an an evangelist and preacher from England, said he would have described students as hostile to the church, but intrigued by Jesus. And we continue to find that to be true, that even when students seem hostile or questioning about the church, they are irresistibly drawn to Jesus when they're given a chance to meet him in the scriptures. Going back to 60% of young people who grow up in the church leaving their faith around the time of college, why do you think that is? So many of them were trained to attend church culturally because their families expected it, and they've never been invited to make an adult decision of what they're committed to. Um, I think the second reason that we've been watching an increased number of students walk away from the faith has been, well, you know, Russell Moore, who used to be the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission in the Southern Baptist Convention, said the unique thing that's happening in this generation is that people are not leaving the faith because they do not believe what the church teaches is no longer true. That was true in prior generations where students said, I don't believe in the resurrection anymore. I can't believe in the authority of scripture. Students are leaving the faith because they do not believe that the church actually believes in what the church has taught. And so today's students yeah, are wrestling with questions like, if Jesus came to demonstrate both humanity's sinfulness as well as his desire to bring them into a new community together, right? It's what Paul talks about in Ephesians chapter two. Why is the church so ethnically divided? If the church has always taught that everybody is made in God's image, worthy of dignity and respect, why do we still wrestle with hatred and acrimony as they watch pastors and Christian leaders interact on social media? If the church believes that all of creation was made by God for his glory and for humanity to steward, why is there so little concern about 
climate change and environmental stewardship. And so as I meet with college students on campus, what they're telling me is social media has shown me the brokenness of the world more immediately and more concretely than any generation history. I can no longer avoid truths about racial injustice, about sexism, about environmental destruction. And I do not see the church speaking to it. And I do not know if the church cares about this. Why would I continue to believe in a religion that offers no actual help for the deepest problems of the world when it seems that the church has always taught that there are solutions to be found in scripture? If you've just joined us, I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look, and my guest today is Greg Howe. He is the Chief Communications Officer at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Greg, fascinating questions. Well, and you know what, what was fascinating to us, we recently conducted a study, a survey of college students right now. But two other things that really caught our attention, when we asked students, what discipleship tools do you most want? Almost 60% of them said, I want tools that help me to read scripture better, more accurately. Um, and then the second set of tools we want, and almost 50, over 50%, we want to learn how to pray. And then third, at about mid 40%, were, do you have any thoughts on dating and marriage? But it was really striking to us that 60% of college students that we surveyed said, the number one discipleship tool you could help us with is how do we study scripture? And then we asked another question, what are the social issues that are of greatest concern to you? 35 to 38% said, we see issues of racial injustice in our country, and we need ways to engage this biblically. Number two was climate change, and number three was adoption and immigration. And what strikes me about those results from college students is, first, they desperately want to hear what Scripture has to say. And if we were able to offer them ways to approach the biggest issues that they encounter, racial injustice, climate change, immigration, foster care, adoption, and say, this is what scripture says about these issues. And this is a way forward that no other philosophy, no other set of laws could do. While they all may have their place, Christians bring something unique and distinctive. And they're longing for the church, not just to run away from problems or to decry problems, but to offer scripturally grounded solutions and options that they can begin to pursue. They're looking for a faith that's plausible in their generation. Racial injustice. Do you think about Jesus who approached, for example, the Samaritan woman who was considered racially unequal and less than. So there's issues of racial inequality and reconciliation all throughout the Bible. There really are. I think if you look at the trajectory of scripture from God's invitation to Abraham, I will make you a blessing to the nations through um, the Old Testament where the prophets say, one day Jerusalem will be the place where all the nations gather before the throne of God. Through, as you mentioned, right, Jesus' interaction with the um, Syrophoenician woman and um, the Samaritan woman to the early church's struggles with how do we bring Jew and Gentile into one community together, all the way through Revelation chapter 7, when you see people of every nation, tribe, language, and tongue gathered before the throne of God, there's a beautiful and amazing arc of Scripture saying all people will be gathered together and the church should be able to lead in this. And you watch really so much of the New Testament wrestling with this. And I think the reason that this is of such import to college students is when you look at the demographics of college students um, in the United States right now, 52% of them are students of color. And if you were a high school student right now in the United States, you currently live in a demographic group where whites are no longer in the majority 
but in fact, it's people of color who are in the plurality. And so they live in ethnically diverse, much more ethnically diverse generation and cohort than those of us who are older. So the concerns and issues around race really reflect the concerns and values of their friends and of their peers. And I think that's why that's changed the conversation. So I can imagine Generation Z saying, how can we reconcile the Bible, which is the truth, with what we see all around us, that these people who claim the Bible are not addressing these issues? Absolutely. I think you put your finger on it. Um, I remember talking to a group of pastors, and I raised these issues of race, and you could feel the room tense up. And I said, I know they feel really political, right? And they all nodded. I said, if you want to talk about immigration and immigration reform, or if you talk about um, confrontations with the police in the Black community, um, does it feel immediately political? And they almost all raised their hands. And I said, I want to suggest to you that the line between political and pastoral is often the line between who shows up at your church and who does not show up at your church. Because if you had 10 families at your church who were undocumented and they said, my children cry every night because they do not know if I will come home today from work. They're afraid that I would be detained. All of a sudden you have a pastoral crisis in your congregation that may have political implications, but all of a sudden it's real to you. It's not a political conversation. It's also a pastoral conversation. If you had 10 African-American families at your church and they all said, um, we are terrified when our teenage son goes out at night to go to their job or come back home from work. All of a sudden, it's not just a political conversation. It's a pastoral conversation. It's a conversation about what happens inside the body of Christ to another part of the body that you're less familiar with. And I think for college students, because they're in the most diverse generation in history in the United States, it's always a pastoral conversation for them. Um, it's not abstract. It's not ideological. It's not political. Um, it's profoundly a pastoral and spiritual conversation about what do I do when members of my own body, of the body of Christ, are hurting and are in crisis? How should I respond? And does scripture offer me anything that I can apply to the situation? And will Christian leaders offer me a model of how to engage? And if we don't offer these models and these hopes, inevitably, while they're in the university, they will find other people who would be happy to tell them how to approach these questions. And entire departments at the university exist to reshape them in that department's image. Our hope is that students will encounter a biblically grounded model that does justice to who Jesus is and to the testimony of Scripture in these areas, that's plausible, that demonstrates the beauty of what the church has to offer in these areas. If you've just joined us, I'm Monica Kelly with Closer Look, and my guest today is Greg Howe. He is the Chief Communications Officer at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. InterVarsity did a major survey. Tell us what you found. Yeah, we recently interviewed um, and surveyed Gen Z, the current college generation, and we found a number of things that intrigued us. Um, one of the things that we found was how difficult COVID has been on this generation. Um, prior surveys done by university, but also by other organizations, noted that Gen Z has the highest rates of suicidal ideation, depression, um, and anxiety of any generation in history. And almost half of them, 47%, said that their mental and emotional health has been negatively impacted as a result of the pandemic. And so I think, in part, we're looking at a mental health crisis for Gen Z and part of how InterVarsity and other campus ministries are trying to respond is, how do we begin to create communities where students can encounter people who 
will help them grow in faith, who will support them and encourage them. And so what have you been able to do connecting young people online? We've worked very hard to create online Bible studies. And you would think Gen Z would be unlikely to show up every week for a Zoom-based Bible study. But what we've been kind of startled and pleased to hear was how many students continue to show up every week to say, I get nothing else accomplished in this week outside of school. I want it to be, I'm meeting with a group of people who will study the scriptures with me and pray with me. And that longing for scripture and prayer sustained them. We've watched non-Christians come to faith on a regular basis because Christian students have said to their non-Christian friends, you need to join this Bible study I'm in. I want you to meet Jesus. And I love the fact that even though they're feeling all of the difficulty from the pandemic, right? Many Christian college students were worried about economically, could they stay in school, struggling socially, but they continued to reach out to their friends. And one of the things that we encourage them to do is to use Instagram. Now, we often you know, are a little suspicious of social media, but what we encourage Christian students to do was, could you do something you loved on social media, like Instagram, post it and invite other people to participate with you, and then as appropriate, share transparently with your life. So One of the stories I love, we had a student who said, I love to cook. And so she began to do a cooking channel on Instagram. And as she was cooking, she would send out the recipes in advance so people could cook with her. Developed um, a couple hundred people began to follow her who were fellow college students. And as she was cooking, she'd talk. They would cook for 10, 15 minutes. They would eat. And she would just kind of share about her life. And several students came up to her and said, I'm so intrigued by the honesty with which you're sharing. You're not minimizing the hardship at all, but you have it. You seem to have such deep hope. Can you tell us more about it? And she said, well, would you be willing to study scripture with me? I'd love to show you why I have hope. And she started four or five Bible studies, I believe, over the course of a few months, sharing her life, being transparent, inviting people into activities that they love to do, and then pointing to Jesus when asked. We watched that happen all across the country. We watched at the University of Connecticut, a woman in a sorority was thinking, I really want fellowship, contacted us, created a Bible study that began to meet. They thought it would be shut down during the pandemic, but instead students began to flock to them. So rather than having a Bible study that involved two sorority houses, I think by the end of the pandemic, there were 15 different Greek houses, fraternities and sororities, meeting together in Bible studies that she either was leading or her trained leaders to lead. And I love that even during the pandemic, students were meeting together online, um, growing in faith. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? We would love people who are listening to pray. Many of your listeners will know it's really at the university when students make lifelong decisions about who they're going to be and what they believe. And so we would invite listeners and churches around the country to pray that Christian students will commit to a campus fellowship that's been a key determinant in keeping them in the faith, and that non-Christian students would say yes to invitations to meet Jesus in the scriptures. Greg Howe, Chief Communications Officer at InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. Thanks for being on Closer Look. Thank you for the opportunity, Monica. It was great to talk to you. For Closer Look, I'm Monica Kelly.